Welcome to The Conversation. This is Gretchen. And hi, I'm Christy. And this is Conversations to Connect. You're listening to episode 16, where we will be continuing the conversation about ourselves and our relationships with ourselves. One of the things that we wanted to touch on in this episode to begin with is expectations, just in general. Um, We all have a lot of expectations about many things, not just about ourselves, but about... I think everything, Well, yeah, the people in our Mm -hmm. lives, our jobs, our interactions, the weather, like politics, everything, right? I heard a um, quote, not a quote, but over the radio, there was a woman on talking about inviting possibility without expectation Mm. and I was like how can you ever do that there's always an expectation an expectation of what time I'm going to arrive an expectation of what's going to happen once I get there and arrive that could be what's happening at work what's happening in a relationship and when I'm working with people that are especially in the dating scene it's expectations over so many what expectations do is they create a story that isn't true. Correct. So it's something that's happening in your brain. Like, I see this picture. I see this movie. And some people try to live out movies that are never going to happen the way that they want them to. Well, and I think it's important to recognize that when you have expectations of other people, you will always be disappointed. You are always setting yourself up mm-hmm. for disappointment. Because the reality is, is that very rarely do people fulfill our own expectations that we have of others. When others have expectations of us, we always feel like a failure. Because well, it puts again, you in an unfair position because does. you can't match another person's experience even. So right. if you and I witness the same thing happening because of you and your upbringing and your life, you're going to perceive and experience that a whole lot different than I will. Um, in therapy, I talk to people about watching your movie. So you're sitting in yeah. a movie theater and this movie's going on and, you know, I this happened and then this happened and then your mother walks in and says no that didn't happen and you're like yes it did I just watched it no no that didn't happen so and again some of us remember the good things about our family one vacation that we had and your sibling might say oh remember this terrible thing happened then too and you're like oh my gosh it did how did I completely forgot about that that. Mm -hmm. so when we think about our expectations that we have in terms of ourselves right because we're talking about our relationship with ourselves When we have expectations for ourselves, I think it's important to recognize, number one, where do those come from? Because the expectations that we have for ourselves rarely come organically from ourselves. Mm -hmm. I know It's a perceived notion of what other people expect from you. So it's like this... It's created from other people Mm -hmm. and then imposed on us. On yourself, yes. So maybe it's Instead of getting in touch with, wait a minute... Here I am in this moment. This is really what I want. And honoring that, we get in our head about, again, creating this picture of what it's supposed to look like. Yeah. And then comparisons happen, too. Especially with people that I'm working with um, always say, well, this person is doing this and this person has that. You don't know what is happening, especially if you're going by social media about what a person chooses to have as their highlight reel. You have no idea. No idea whatsoever. So Well, and that's that's a good point, though, because they do go hand in hand, right? So we have these expectations, and it's like, okay, well, where do they come from, right? Because the expectations are the basis for comparisons. Because mm-hmm. if I expect nothing, then what's the point of comparing? Right, right. So if I have these expectations, either because they were something that were instilled with me from my family, from the upbringing, from the friends that I surrounded myself with when I was growing up, or I think very importantly are the expectations that are placed on us from society, from the things that are outside of our personal relationship. What is the media saying? Mm -hmm. What are the celebrities that we see plastered everywhere? What are the expectations that we are trying to live up to, Mm -hmm. right? Because a lot of times they center around career, wealth, body image, relationships, right? Mm -hmm. Like you said, what people are posting on social media the most of them are only posting the good stuff. They're not posting the fact that, well, here's a picture of me sobbing after my husband and I just had an argument. Right. No, I'm posting the nice time that we had on our date night or on our mm-hmm. vacation or happy anniversary to the love of my life. Right. Right. Like we're only seeing what people are choosing to allow us to see. And that is sort of a self-fulfillment from people that I'm working with, too, of I need to put this out there so that I feel better about myself and other people can see that I'm doing well, kind of trying to prove yourself to, I don't know, other people. I guess meet up the expectations, like meet the expectations. Some of my favorite clients, I mean, all of my clients, I would say are my favorite for (laughs) one reason or another, but um, 
Some of my favorite ones are the people I've been working with for years because they can now look back and say, oh my God, do you remember, remember when, when <laughs> I thought that if I didn't get married by this age, if I didn't fulfill a timeline, if I didn't have children, and now I'm kind of open to, again, that possibility without expectation, I'm really living that type of life and I'm really happy. So it doesn't matter what other people think. Yeah. It really doesn't matter. And I think that we hear this so many times and... I honestly believe we're just too busy. We're too damn busy, like, rushing around, mm. doing a million things, planning a million things, trying to carry out everything and do be everything for everyone, that we're the person that comes last. And yeah. so we don't have a good sense of self, most of us. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting, too, like, what you were saying about when you're working with clients and you like it when you get to a point where, you're le- where they start realizing those things. And I agree. That's one of my favorite things is once I've gotten to a point where maybe I'm like three months in, six months in, a year in, and I can say to someone, can we just take a moment right now and think if you came in here a year ago and I said to you, Christy, a year from now, you are going to have this type of relationship with yourself or you're going to be like, somebody else has this expectation of me. I don't care. You would have told me that I was crazy. Mm -hmm. And yet here you sit today. Well, the beliefs are so ingrained and fixated. It's like, a lot of times people are coming in saying, my life doesn't look like what it should be. So again, that expectation mm-hmm. is not and meeting a reality. Uh-huh. And when your reality it feels so foreign to you or you've suffered some sort of loss and you're like, I don't know how I'm going to go on without this thing or person or job in my life. And then you realize, wait a minute, if I just give it six months, I'm going to be in a different place. Mm-hmm. Like it's Time keeps going. And that's the thing when you're working with people that have suffered some sort of loss, especially death. It's like, this person has left my life and I'm devastated. How is the world still going on? Like, the news is still happening. How how is life still going on? But then six months, a year, you're learning to adjust to a new role. So again, it's not having expectations about anything that's coming or going from your life. Well, and when you were talking about, like you said, the comment about I should, that right there, the shoulds are the expectations. Mm -hmm. So when you think to yourself, I should be married by now. Mm -hmm. I should know what I want to do for my career. I should have kids. I should want to have kids. I should want to be married. I should, any of those shoulds, these are expectations. Think to yourself, where are they coming from? Mm -hmm. Do you actually want those things? So instead of saying, oh, I should be married, say to yourself, I want to be married. And I guarantee you, your gut will give you your answer Mm -hmm. immediately. Because we know innately what it is that we want and we don't want. Mm -hmm. But we ignore our instinct, we ignore our gut because of these expectations that are placed on us by society or family or friends, whatever it might be. Because again, it comes back to, like Christy said about the comparisons, I want to be single, but well, Christy's getting married and so-and-so's getting married and all of these, maybe I should be getting married too. Well, why? You Mm -hmm. just said to yourself that you were happy being single. Mm -hmm. You like being single. Why do you have to get married just because everybody else is? Mm -hmm. You don't have to do what everybody else does. I think that a lot of people take those things on because they're being projected from the people that have them and don't want them. Does that make sense? Yes. So, But explain it anyway. (laughs) Here I am and I'm married and I'm not so sure that this is the person I'm meant to spend forever with, but now we have kids and we might as well stay Mm. together or our finances are so ingrained or... It's easier to stay stuck than it is to do the work to get out. It is. Well, it's like you I were mean, talking I mean, I know about. people that the husband lived in the basement and the door was locked to get up to the first floor because they had to be in the same vicinity yeah. because of finances or people have businesses together. It's just like, ugh, why take the time and the effort? It's just not right. worth it. But it is worth it because we have, again, in our head, I'm just being selfish because I want to be happy. And so I went through that on the flip end of it. When my ex-husband and I first separated, I didn't think that that was the best of ideas. Yeah. But when, again, six months, one year, two years, you really learn a lot about who you are and when you're when you afford the time to yourself right. to do that. When you're not, again, distracting yourself with other things we talked about with the body image thing sometimes people might overeat 
They might overdrink. They might overexercise. They might undereat or underdo all of those things. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that's all a part of distracting and not dealing with those emotions because we don't know what to do with ourselves if we're not playing a role. Yeah. Well, no. And when you were talking about your relationship, it made me think about, again, like back to those expectations. I never expected myself to be someone who would get divorced. And so we fight against... Resistance is futile. Exactly. The resistance to... Um, what is and what that means, right? So like, because clearly if it, well, I never expected that I would be a divorced person. Mm-hmm. Well, you clearly already have a mindset about what that means to be someone who is divorced. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like not a good thing. Yeah. And so even though maybe your relationship with this other person is not good, and it is ruining your relationship with yourself. Mm-hmm. um you will fight so hard against it because, again, we have this expectation. No, I got married. I committed myself to being a married person. That's my expectation. But we, and again, we set those expectations. We end up being disappointed. We end up being a failure because now I'm personalizing this. My marriage has failed. Mm-hmm. I have failed. I'm a loser. Right. I can't make this work. Right. What's wrong with me? And going back to what other people are putting onto you, again, when you're young and you're going through a divorce, it's like, don't worry. You'll you'll be able to have kids or that, but again, how do you know that somebody how do you wants know to that have I kids? Want to? So mm-hmm. a lot, and I a lot of people say that to you. Yes, and they were people that I knew were in unhappy marriages that had kids, and oh, so and now as their children have gotten older, and it's kind of like a oh well, you can work these hours, or you can travel here, or you can do that. Well, my time is very limited, and. Some people love doing carpooling and things like that with kids. But going back to how busy life can be, again, if you are working and if you're a parent or even if you're not a parent, our time is so limited that everybody's like overscheduled these days. So I really think that I was at dinner a couple of nights ago with a couple of friends that are married and the one is a stay-at-home mom and she had mentioned um, what is something that she made for dinner a while back and I just very innocently said, oh, do you cook dinner every night? And she just laughed so hard. And she was like, I don't ever cook dinner. She was like, I'm running the kids here. We have to do homework. We have bath time. We barely have time to kind of sit and just be. So I just don't understand why, as again, going back to society, we've gotten to be in such a busy place. Well, and you and I were just talking about this, about how like when you, if you think about when you're talking with people or you run into people at like the grocery store Mm -hmm. and you run in and you're like, oh, hey, Christy, how are you? And you're like, I'm good, you know, so busy. And and I would maybe say the same thing, like, oh, I know what you mean. Mm -hmm. Life's always on the go. Yeah. Again, it just becomes like ho-hum. It's the standard. And that is not good for us in terms of any relationship. But it's Mm -hmm. definitely not good for our relationship with ourselves. Because like your story with your friend who's a mom who's like, are you kidding me? I never cooked. This is probably the first time this year in three months that I've cooked. Because that takes more time and planning. But think about why. Because mm -hmm. what is she probably doing? Putting everyone else first. Mm -hmm. So she's got kids. She just said she's running them around. She's got this one's dance class and this one's doing soccer. And I have to do this and I'm still working. And And we're running through the drive-thru because that's all we have time for. And we're barely talking to each other. And then you add in, we've talked before about technology and the great things that technology has brought, but then also the time that it takes from certain relationships. And going back to talking about how busy we are, I just want to talk biologically real quick because our brains are getting to the point where they can't keep up with the lifestyle that we're living. Yeah, We were talking earlier, I think it's between 100 and 200,000 years the human species has existed. It was only 12,000 years ago that agriculture took form Mm. so it took 188,000 years that they weren't like hunting and gathering right before that they could be like wait a minute you mean if we plant our own food (laughs) we can like eat we can like sustain ourselves off of that so how long ago was that about 200 years and look at just in the last 10 years we have a smartphone well I want to say this not only a smartphone but my first I am going to be 38 this year I got my first cell phone when I was 20, 21 years old. Mm-hmm. I was a junior in college. And the only reason I got it was because I moved off campus and no one had any way to get in touch with me when I was on campus. Right. So I would get home after being on campus for seven, eight hours a day. And I'd get home and I would have 15 messages. And it would be for my friends being like, hey, Gretchen, do you want to get lunch? Give me a call. Yeah. And I'd be like, I 
could have gotten lunch with you. So I got my, my first cell phone was, again, like I said, maybe I was 20. So like 17 years Same. ago, 16, uh, so, yeah, 17 I years ago. Close to 20. I was in college at the time. And I remember, so I graduated from high school in 98. And my first, very first email was underscore 99. Because that was my very first email. Uh, yes. And now my niece, who's eight, has, has her, her own, own email. email. Right. And it's so, just, but just think about, right. So what I think what you're getting at is, so 16, 17 years ago, really cell phones became to become popular. Not smartphones, right. but cell phones. So we started to become more connected. People could get in touch with us at any moment during the mm-hmm. day. And then you said smartphones came out when? Ten year, eight, ten years ago. So and in so- 10 years, look to where we are now. Yes. And again, that's not necessarily a bad thing. GPS is great. Voice to text is great. Absolutely. Being able to interact with people is great. What is not great is if I go into an hour-long session with a client and I come out and because I have a couple WhatsApp groups that I'm a part of and I have a, um, a group chat with my siblings and I have a group chat with this group that right. I went, uh, whatever. So there have been times I've literally, after an hour, come out to like 110 text messages. And I'm oh, like, yeah. I don't have time in my life to, to you know, hurry up these. and try to read through it all, think about what is the most important to respond to. And again, like I said, these things are great, but we as a society are letting them overtake our lives because we are constantly being pinged. Again, I mean, doesn't Pinterest even have like a yes. chat? Th- so you have Instagram, you have Facebook, you have Snapchat, you have... Pinterest. Well, then you have have phone calls as well, text messages, emails, emails, voicemails, you know, Facebook notifications, Instagram notifications. So So 20 years ago, I remember this. My aunt at the time had mentioned she was a phone talker. So she would be on the phone for hours, corded phone into the wall. And she said, thank goodness this phone can't follow me into the car. Now look, it's just, it's in the car, it's in your hand when you're in line at the grocery store, it's in your hand when you're sitting at the doctor's office. I have a client, he is 34-ish, and it was hilarious. He said, I went to the doctor, and all these old people are always talking about, like, these young people and their devices. He's like, I was reading a magazine, and I looked around at all these 60, 70-something people on their smartphones, (laughs) and it's true. And, like, I've noticed that, too. As part of the online community, part of it is just, like, people that have a lot of time on their hands, (laughs) there's an influx of information. And, like, maybe trying to connect or maybe feeling that you want to know what's going on with other people's lives, but it's really exhausting. And and it's really time-consuming if you really look at how much time you're spending on that. So it adds to the busyness. It's just another thing that takes away time from ourselves. And the truth is, and I think we've said this on previous podcasts, but it's definitely worth repeating that you need to fill yourself up first. Mm -hmm. You need to be the most important person in your life to you. So me, Gretchen, I am the most important person to me. Yeah. That doesn't mean that you know, other people aren't important. But if I don't take care of myself, and if I don't fill myself up first, then I cannot give anything or give enough to other people. Or what I'm doing is I'm taking what I need and giving that to other people. So the idea of filling yourself up, if you're a cup, to the brim so that you're overflowing and you're giving the overflow to other people. That's really only then can you truly be giving because you're fulfilled and you're just giving extra to others. Yeah. I know it's hard. I know it's hard to carve out time. Well, and it's hard to even recognize that that's a thing. So the other day... you could do that. The other day I was working with a girl in her 20s and we were talking about boundaries and learning to set things up and she was like, you know, I've recognized over the last couple of months how many times somebody asked me to do something and I'm like, oh crap, now I got to figure out how to get that in too. Like it never occurred that I could be like, I don't have the time for that or that... My cousin's having a birthday party, but I would rather go to the gym. So I say to my mom, honestly, I'm going to go to the gym. And you're, well, how could you do that? It's a family thing, blah, blah, blah. Well, it's not your grandma's 90th birthday. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's this, you're allowed to again, say no. What do other people expect from me? And am I going to take away from what I need mm-hmm. to give that to somebody else? It's it's not worth it. I mean, you could. Right. But then what does that do for you? Mm-hmm. And... um. Again, it I, makes me mad. And you know when I get this way. And oh, I, I get, know. Well, <laughs> and I, I get like super overwhelmed because I've just, you know, at times you feel like there's 
I just have nothing left to give. And you have to say that. And you have to say, I'm going to stop now. I don't care if I don't get to those emails. Right. I don't care if this person, I need to say, I'll talk to you a different time. I'll do but it again later. You really well, have to just say no. You said this, that you wanted to make sure that we brought this up. So I'm making sure that we bring it up about people in the helping professionals and people that are constantly working with other people. So like Christy and myself, we are therapists, people who are teachers, people who are nurses, doctors, people who are caretakers, people who daycare are workers. daycare <laughs> workers. I mean, this is not ex- inclusive. Like there are or many you other you might people. work in an office where you take on a lot of responsibility, whatever it is. Like there's an energy exchange with whatever you're doing. When you're Even providing social media like, or customer service, yeah. right? If you are working as a cashier and you're interfacing with people, all the time. Human resources. All day. Oh my God. Can I would you imagine. Not, no. no, thank you. Or you're like, I'd like to talk to the manager, right? right? Like, and you're the manager. You're constantly dealing with people all day long and putting out fires. These are the people who, at some point, we realize, like, I'm exhausted. I'm emotionally spent because I haven't been filling myself. It was a really busy day, or I want to take a couple of days off. I know leading up to that and coming back, I'm sort of going to be punished in a way because I have to take on more right. in that I know regard. I'm going to be really <laughs> busy. And so I think it's one of those things that, you know, Christy made a good point. We were chatting earlier today about if you are married to or friends with or parents of mm-hmm. someone who's in one of those positions, there are definitely times when we need to completely remove ourselves mm-hmm. from society. I um, have an example, actually. We need to, con- <laughs> we need to cocoon ourselves. Yes, that's what I was going to bring up yeah. because one time there was text message exchange, but well, kind of exchange. I was just telling you a couple of things and I really wasn't even expecting a response from you. And then at one, uh, maybe like an hour later, you said, I'm sorry, I saw 11 people today and I'm cocooning. And I love that word because it's like, yes, you just need to shut everything out and say, I can't look at a screen. I can't listen to anything coming because all of this stimulation is really draining. It was too much. And it's true. Yeah. It was the end of a long day. I had seen 11 people in a row. Yes, I do that to myself because the majority <laughs> of the time people cancel but every once in a while every single person shows up and it's an exhausting day and I come home and I sit by myself on the couch and I relax and I maybe have a snack and I I literally do not talk to anyone my husband I've talked to my husband about this he's usually either I'm coming home and he does not knows talk that to that's me. the day right yeah. he does not talk to me or we just say a hello how are you mm-hmm. how was your day kind of thing we don't talk about anything heavy because at that point my mind is shut off mm-hmm. and everything that i do between that moment and the next moment when i wake up and get ready to go to work the next day is anything that i need to fill myself well because the truth is if you're going to a therapist that is working for and with you All of your time and energy and focus goes into seeing the world as that person has seen it and sees it. So you really are taking on a lot. It's not just, oh, I'm going to chat with you. I'm just going to listen. Yeah, I'm just going to listen, see what's going on, nod my head a couple of times, fall asleep. But I've heard people say that they've had (laughs) therapists in the past that have fallen asleep. I have never had someone complain about that. So I pride myself on that. Yeah. Whether you're a therapist or not, like, again, if you're working with people in this capacity, we know how much you're giving in. Mm -hmm. If you're a teacher, if you're a nurse, like you said, if you're anyone that's working with people, if you're a customer service person, you know that you are putting in as much as you can to make that experience so good for the people that you're working with or working for. So again, that idea of valuing your time, valuing yourself enough to take care of yourself. And that can look very, very different for every person. Mm -hmm. But when you say, I'm too busy to take care of myself, please stop because there is something not good about that statement. That is very scary. Why are you pushing yourself? Right. Mm -hmm. Like, why are you putting yourself last? Well, a lot of people that I hear that from are people that either are in professions where they feel like that is their worth Mm. and that is their whole entire identity and that I work, 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 work. This is who I am. This is what I'm leaving or whatever. Or people that see that they're too overwhelmed because they are working and they are taking care of kids. Mm -hmm. And so many mothers lose their identity, really lose their identity. They, and I'm not a mother. So listening to this from people, I was like, right? Because I did it in my marriage and I didn't have children. So if I did have children, it would have been even worse. So it's like this 
well, I don't know what I like and I don't know what I want to do and I don't know what I'm qualified to do and is taking time to myself like I'm going to miss my kids when I and so that's a catch 22 for people. Absolutely, but allow yourself to miss your yes. children. Trust me, from a mother of two, it is good for you to miss them and it good is for good them. for them to miss you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It is good for your husband to miss you or yeah. your wife or your partner or whatever. It is good for people to have separation. Think about your mood if you have just gone out and seen a movie that you really wanted to see or spent some time with your friends and then come back like, are you drained? No, but if you decide, yes, if you're too tired to go out and do that, it's going to make you even more tired. Does that make sense? Like, so pushing yourself to do something that's good for you is a necessary thing. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad you touched on worth. And like feeling worthy of things because self-worth is such a huge part of our relationship with ourselves. We get what we believe we are worthy of in life. Mm -hmm. Let me say that again. We get what we believe we are worthy of in life. So if I don't believe that I am worthy of having a life where I get time to myself, Mm -hmm. then I'm not going to make an effort to cultivate that time. Mm -hmm. Or a loving relationship because a lot of times people stay in relationships because I know what to expect. Is it the best? No. But I mean, this person is not speeding anywhere anytime soon either. So, you know, maybe this is the best that it gets. And that fear gets in the way of what you really deserve. Yeah. Well, and with work too. So would you stay in a job that was not fulfilling you? Would you stay in a job that didn't honor all of your gifts and talents no like if somebody some people would right because they don't believe that they're worthy of being in a job that honors all of those things or that recognizes them Mm -hmm. for that and that's that's true so some people are able to make that move and say this change might be something good it might be something that's not good and then i change my mind again rather than knowing what to expect and thinking this might be the best that it gets because when you settle you really are just like accepting the norm like Well, nobody likes their job. Why would I like my job? Right. I think if you think about currently, what do you feel like you're worthy of? And really doing some Mm -hmm. like self-analysis, if you want to, to think about. Make a list. Yeah, to make a list. To like, what are those things like, I am worthy of, fill in the blank. Think of the things that you're worthy of now. Or maybe you say, I want to be worthy of. Mm -hmm. I want to view myself as worthy of. Because maybe you're not there yet. Yeah. And to make a list of all the things that you want in life and how you want them. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's something. Think about in a perfect world too. Right. So just, it doesn't matter what you say. Like, but some people get caught in their mind. If I put it down, that's the be all end all. And if I don't get it, then I failed. Well, again, no expectations. Right. Just because you want something doesn't mean that you have to have it mm-hmm. or that you're going to get it. So again, right. all of this is about being very gentle and kind with yourself. And they open can, to it. Yeah, they can be really concrete things like I want to have a job where I'm appreciated. Mm-hmm. Or, or a can, relationship where absolutely. I'm appreciated. Or they can just be more open things like I want to have a life that is very content. So that could mean yeah. many different things. But I want to feel content with with my life. Because you brought up that word content, I wanted to touch real quick on, again, as society, we're always looking to upgrade everything. I need the next car. I already mm. have this. So right. this is my next goal. iPhone 75 my, is coming out. <laughs> right, I need to pre-order right, it. Right. <laughs> or I already have like this size house, but if I lived in this house or if I lived in this, what if everything you had right now was enough? No matter what that is. Like, yeah. What if your wardrobe was enough? What if your house was enough? What if everything... Like, what if you were enough? Yeah. Oh, that and, makes and me like almost it, tear up. It's because... like the self-love has become this, you know, new fad word or whatever. But it's really, really the most important thing that you can ever work on. Yeah. No, it's yeah. true. And so being enough in a world where we're conditioned to believe more is better and it's a consumerism driven society it's fast it's on the go all these fast food places are make and it's funny because i was over in europe last year doing my yoga teacher training and my sister and my cousin came with me if i could describe to you what we looked like on this train from amsterdam to utrecht where i lived and we had these ginormous suitcases we had these bags we had all this and all these people were super annoyed like Oh my God, look at these crazy Americans. These crazy Americans with all this crap. And I'll tell you what, 
after looking at that and how I travel now, it's like, I always used to take too much. So again, mm. so if we're packing all of this into a vacation that we need to take, and I see families do this all the time, like the van is packed and full. I have every single thing. Like, what if we really looked at minimizing our life and the things that we need? Like, we would kind of be a little bit more calm, yeah. peaceful. Like, we wouldn't have so not much packing stuff. so much in. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you look at all this stuff, it's not going to make you happy. That also, I think, relates to the next thing that I want to talk about, which is self-sabotage. Okay. Because I think we fo- we constantly, I know we do. Yeah. We constantly <laughs> set ourselves up uh-huh. to sabotage ourselves. We often set ourselves up for failure. Again, mm-hmm. and when we talk about those expectations, other people have unrealistic expectations of us. You're going to fail. Yeah. You, that is a way of, you know... Um, when we mutually engage in expectations with one another, it's a way to self-sabotage ourselves mm-hmm. and our relationships. Mm-hmm. So, And that goes back to patterns of things that we've learned as children and how, yes. you know, our brains are constantly being molded as kids. And we look at all of the relationships around us. So not just our parents' relationships, but who our caregivers are, whoever, you know, it could be an aunt and uncle or whatever. And so we're looking at, you know, what's being modeled for us. Mm -hmm. And then we don't even realize as adults that we create those situations for ourselves. So clients that I've worked with are like, oh my gosh, I can't even believe it. Like I have been having the same patterns of relationships and endings of, and whether or not until they're like, processing it out loud they're starting to see that those patterns are emerging and it's like huh I don't know why this keeps happening to me and I'll say why are you seeking out that type of person maybe it's a person who isn't ready for something in their life so you're going to seek something from a person that's going to reject you and you're again sabotaging yourself from the people that might be good for you do you Mm. remember there was a guy that we met when we went to that dinner on Blanc? Yes. The guy from Maryland? Yes. I hope he doesn't listen to this because we're talking about you. I, I remember he that. Was so, he was so sweet. He, and you were so not in a place. No, not in a place at all. And you were like, he is so good looking. He's so and nice. So, yeah. And he tried to set up stuff with you so many times. times. And you was totally self And was in, that. you know, the service and leaving the country. And we didn't really even talk, but like felt the need to reach out in case something happened because he was in a very dangerous role. And just like, so, and he called me out on that and saying like, Maybe you're not in a place, but this is what I'm looking for. And I was like, oh my gosh. So if I get into a relationship with a person that wants to be in a relationship, and then what if I can't make that work? So maybe, and so But those are expectations that you have of yourself. And you didn't feel like you were in a place that you were worthy of. All of these things. All of these things. And now when I'm working with clients, I can see that because I've done my own work and Mm -hmm. I'm in a place now where things are much better, but it's kind of like so many people do that and they're not even realizing it. What am I seeking that are replaying these right. childhood Right, that's familiar things? to mm-hmm. me. Yeah, and I've had so we were talking about the brain. Yeah. You know how much I love the brain. And yes. when you talked about how our brain is developing as children, our brain doesn't fully develop until sometime in our early 20s, usually sometime between the age of 21 and 25. Mm-hmm. So just let that sink in for a second. Because mm-hmm. if you think to yourself, how Well, that's much... why car insurance goes down. I know, right? Because <laughs> we make better decisions. Yes, after we're less age. impulsive unless you have an impulsive personality. <laughs> unless it's a character flaw of yours. <laughs> right. But that is something I think that really screws with us because oh, one, yeah. we don't know that. So here you are graduating high school and Christy, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? What are you going to go to college for? What are you going to major in? What's your career? You're 18 years old and you're expected to decide this. Then we get out of college at 21 if that's what we choose to do or trade school or we do something else. And you've already spent a ton of money you're going to be paying back forever. Or you've done nothing because you don't know what the hell you're doing. Right. Right. There's so much pressure on Mm -hmm. you regardless of what you do. It doesn't matter the situation. There's going to be pressure. There's pressure. Mm -hmm. And you still are at a place where your brain is not fully developed and the the most high functioning part of your brain where logic and reason mm-hmm. and decision making and comparisons and understanding all of these different components comes into play doesn't fully develop until at the latest you're 25 years old mm-hmm. now here i am at 25 i'm in my first job i'm probably already having my first relationship i maybe i'm married kids. maybe i already have kids and my brain isn't even maybe fully developed yet yeah and then we find and ourselves well, then we start living this script well, um, yes, and we find ourselves stuck at some point, yeah. usually between the age of 25 and 35 mm-hmm. or 40, thinking to ourselves, the hell have I gotten myself into? Yeah. And what's wrong with me, right? right? Because 
why now am I seeing things differently? Or mm-hmm. why now am I no longer happy? Or why am I finding myself no time for myself? Yeah. And all of these things come into play. I have no self-worth. I'm self-sabotaging myself. I don't have any self-love. I don't value myself. I'm or I'm behaving compulsively in whatever way. And now I'm right. unhealthy as a result. And I have these habits that have formed. But again, with the brain and the brain development, your neuropathways are completely workable so while you need to wait in terms of your brain to develop it's constantly able to change but we don't believe that because we're so stuck in the ways that we're used to being we've talked about this too that we fear change we don't want things Mm -hmm. to change it's very scary so even though this situation might suck completely at least it's predictable and i know it yeah so change is very scary but Mm -hmm. possible like you said yeah i think that seeking out sort of help and assistance with that is difficult for a lot of people. Oh, yeah. They're like, I don't want to say that out loud. Well, because like, I don't want to own this. I don't want to own the well, fact I that it, I think... I have to do something about it. Well, not only that, but I have to say out loud that maybe I don't think that I'm a very good person. Yeah. Or I don't like myself. Or I don't deserve this. <gasps> yeah. Oh, it's horrible. Right. Well, like, I don't think that I'm worthy of a relationship with someone that loves me. Yeah. Well, we've talked about people when, when they're in the therapy office and they're thinking about these things because... You, uh, you're the main focus there. So everything that you come up with talking about is going to be like coming to light. So when you're working with people and people are like, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And then you put it on somebody else. So I'm going to give you an example. example. If you are saying, oh, well, that's just the way it is. And I, you know, have to accept it. People that work very high stress jobs. I'm thinking about like top level executives, lawyers that were business owners, entrepreneurs, especially. Yes. And so that's why I love working with entrepreneurs because usually, and all of these jobs, because people are so driven. That passion is really important to tap into, but it's like, I have to sacrifice all of this stuff for the sake of my family or to keep this title or to Mm. do the best that I can. And when you stop one of those people and you say, wait, so you have two children, would you want them to be living the life that you are living right now? And it's like, oh no. I'm working like this because I don't want them to have to do that. But again, but that's what, what you're modeling for them, what you're modeling for them. And likely you're doing as much as you possibly can in order to make them happy. So they're learning to become entitled to certain things or to give up every aspect of themselves in order to make other people happy. Cause that's yeah. basically what you're mm-hmm. modeling. Uh-huh. It's hard to own that stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. a big part of the, having a relationship with yourself is owning the fact that you most likely have been doing a lot of things that you're not going to be proud of, that you're not going to be happy with, that initially are going to make you feel like a piece of crap, but are really important to come to terms with. One of the things that I think really hit home for me when I was in grad school, I realized that one of the ways that I kind of dealt with a lot of the things that I didn't want to face with myself, Mm -hmm. basically, I didn't like being wrong and I wanted to always be in control. Maybe there's some of those that are still here. Um, no comment. <laughs> I try my best, but I was But like, it's being aware of that and saying, you know, when is this serving me and when is this sabotaging well, me? And that's the it'll thing do is both. that I never wanted to own the fact that it ever sabotaged yeah. me. It mm-hmm. always served me because yeah. I was always right. So I was always being served. But at some point... I was confronted with the fact that it was not, that there were people that were coming up to me and saying, I don't want to work with you. Mm -hmm. I actually got to the point where there was a group of other students that went to our professors and in another department, I wanted to take a class in the school counseling department and Uh I was in the mental health department. I don't know if I ever told you this. And I, I signed up for the class and I had one of my professors call me in and they were like, Hey, can I talk to you for a second? I was like, yeah, sure. What's up? And they were like, so um, the school counseling department does not want you to take this class because they don't like you. Uh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> they were like, every single student has pretty much requested that you not be able to take this class. Wow. And they were like, no, we're not going to let that happen. Right. But we're a counseling department, so we're going to talk about this. <laughs> right. It was like a slap in the face because mm-hmm. I always saw myself as someone that was super likable and yeah. very outgoing and very much, but it made me reevaluate how I was interacting with people. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, 
what am I doing that is making other people dislike me so much? Mm -hmm. How am I putting myself out there? What expectations do I have of other people? What expectations do I have of myself? Mm -hmm. How am I self-sabotaging myself to set myself up to have this kind of interaction with other people that I didn't really feel like they were viewing my authentic self? Mm -hmm. Well, because I wasn't putting my authentic self out there. Yeah. I didn't feel worthy of that. I didn't feel like I was worthy of being accepted on some level because there are parts of myself that I didn't like about myself. Mm -hmm. I didn't like them. How was I going to believe that anybody else was going to like them? Having that experience for me, and that, again, was in Mm -hmm. my mid-20s. Yeah. When I was in grad school, that was so transformative for me because it really pushed in my face, like starting that process for me of finding my self-worth, being open and honest with myself and and others. Yeah, it's important to have people in your corner that will be open and honest with you because not everybody can. And not everybody can take criticism constructively and we don't want to hurt our friends. Um, But there are a couple of people that you can really say, listen, I need you to call me out when I'm doing this. And there are people that will do that. I have a couple of good friends that I will even say, call me out. Here's the situation going on. Like the things that I tend to do to self-sabotage, like what's getting in the way. And they'll be honest. But some people are so busy that they don't even realize that these things are coming up. So I think about work. Sometimes if somebody's slacking at work and they need to get called out by their boss, hey, your work hasn't been up to par lately, or you haven't been as responsive as I need you to be. And then people are like, oh my gosh, like either they're completely blowing it off or they're not recognizing how their personal stuff is interfering with work. And again, it's bringing all of this busyness. Like how many things am I thinking about when I'm supposed to be working? So am I? And I also think sometimes people take that too much to heart, right? So again, everything about life is about balance. And like- And moderation. We all walk- different paths and we all walk them at different paces if you will it's important to recognize that you know so someone else might take that so much to heart like i'm not doing the best that i can oh my god and i think most people would punish themselves Mm -hmm. for that because if they're placing so much of these expectations or you know my worth is defined or who i am Mm -hmm. or my my ability to be loved is defined by these things. Like we put so much of that outside of ourselves. So like if I'm not doing well at work, then that means that I'm crappy. And that again are these expectations. And so when we start to have these expectations based on other things, like I can only accept myself if I'm doing well at work. Or that things are going to be given to me. So I've worked with people also that have never had to work a day in their life. I've know people who run businesses who have had the parents of 20 something year old employees of theirs call to ask why they're being asked to work overtime. And it's like, um, because this is a job and this is real life, but people (laughs) are really left at a disservice if they're never given the opportunity not to fail. Well, to also fail, but like to not win and to be disappointed. Oh, and if to definitely fail. Yeah. We all need to experience uh-huh. the gamut of emotions. Yeah. And what happens, like, if you're raised in sort of this cocoon where, like, nothing really goes wrong? Like, somebody was telling me that their child competes in baseball. Yeah. And she was terrified that he wasn't going to make the team because of how disappointing it would be. And we worked through that and how that's a necessary lesson for a lot of people and what support she could use and how she could be supportive and sort of giving him the space to fail if that was what was meant to happen. But that a friend of his, his mother reached out to this woman and said, I'm not letting my son try out. He's not good enough. Like he's not going to make it. So I just rather spare him the disappointment and And tell him that opportunity. Yeah. And it's it's so hard because then that ends up building these expectations that I can't fail or I'm good at everything because if everything that I do, I'm good at because my parents didn't encourage me to do things that maybe I wouldn't be good at right? so that I would have those experiences. Now I have this belief about myself that that is false because we all fail at something. And that it's okay not to be perfect and that nobody's like, I'm good at some things. I'm not good at other things. But that's like, so hard because, you know, I think a lot of times we have these beliefs about ourselves that are conditional. Yeah. That like, I can only mm-hmm. accept or love myself or I'm only good enough if fill in the blank. If well, I have this job, if I weigh this amount of weight. Have this relationship. And in relationships, yeah. if I feel like for so many of my clients, that's where it shows up. 
people are changing themselves in order to conform to what they believe another person wants them yeah, to be. Yeah, and that might be a partner or that might be a friend group yeah. or that mm-hmm. might be, you know, where you work. Like, oh, yeah. I work at this place. I have to look this way. Mm-hmm. Or my friends look like this. I need to look like this. Mm-hmm. My partner looks like this. I had actually someone that I worked with who like had someone who her the partner was really into fitness and she felt that she had to also be just as into fitness because her partner was. Mm-hmm. And like... A lot of it does, it comes back to, but why do you believe that? Where does that come from within you? Because if you don't have that love for yourself and that acceptance of yourself, no and matter what. And your flaws. Yeah. Because everybody has flaws and that's okay. Right. For both, again, the, no, I hate saying the good and the bad, but like, the, what's the opposite of flaws? <laughs> well, <laughs> Whatever I, the opposite of flaws there's is. There's a parenting book that I use with a lot of people and they use that even and uneven. Yeah, I like and bad. that. There okay, you go. So, so even, even and uneven. Yeah. Or just things that we excel at and things that maybe we don't excel mm-hmm. at, right? Like we're all going to have strengths and weaknesses mm-hmm. and that that's what makes you you. That's what makes and you an individual. That's what helps you to gain knowledge from other people. Like when you can embrace what somebody else has that you don't, rather than comparing and feeling like you're not good enough, it's what can I learn from this person? And, you know, that just takes a little bit of a switch in your perception. Well, and let's talk a little bit more about comparisons because we've mentioned it a few times, but I think it's worth dedicating a little bit of time to because the world that we live in is fueled by comparisons. Even if you are not raised to compare yourself to others, society will teach you that anyway. Media, advertisements, all of it. They're constantly showing you what you should be, what society expects you to be, what you need to strive for. And so even if we don't want to compare ourselves, and that isn't something that we strive to do, it's still something that almost is ingrained well, yeah, in our... Yeah, and it's in subtle ways, and it's so in very, subtle. <laughs> very overt ways. So Subliminal. It's coming, yes. Yes. And it's like, oh, okay, so what our brains do, okay, our brains are made to think. When you're trying to be quiet, be still, like not worry about things, meditate or whatever it is that you do. Your brain is constantly categorizing things. I like this. I don't like this. Eh, This is neutral. Like this, don't. So pay attention Mm -hmm. to that. Everybody listening to throughout the rest of the day, when you see something, what does that evoking you? Are you like, ugh? I don't really like that or I don't like to hear this or I like this person or this person really annoys me. What are the expectations you're setting that's creating, again, that experience that that's what we're doing where our thoughts are connected to our feelings, are connected to our behaviors. And the more you're saying that I like this or I don't like that, it's setting that situation up putting our minds in a judgmental space yes instead of just a place of understanding and acceptance and so for me where everything's neutral yes exactly and that's really what we want to strive for is Mm -hmm. neutrality and just contentment yeah being at peace with where we are in the present moment and with what is happening and that doesn't mean you don't have goals and that doesn't mean you don't have things you're working on because i think that people come from a place of fear of well, if I don't care, then I'm just not going to care about anything. Well, and that's not what we're talking not about. caring. Exactly. So know the difference there and know that, because I think that, again, that fear gets to people like, if I'm not worried about this, then I'm going to be slacking. Yeah. I like to think about it as a journey, or if you think about it, maybe Candyland, because it gives you a good visual where you are playing the game and maybe you're on a spot that you don't want to be on, but you're like, it's cool. I'm here for now. Mm-hmm. I can wait till my next turn to pick my next card and see where I'm going. Yeah. So when we're at peace with the present moment, when we're at peace or content with where we are right now, with the job that we have, with the relationship, with, with our body, with whatever it is, you're not saying that you're succumbing to, well, I guess this is my life. Mm-hmm. No. What you're saying is if this is where I am right now, I can be accepting of that, that this is a a place on my journey, Mm -hmm. but I still have goals. I still have other things that I want to do. It's just a stop along the way. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's important. And I think so often in careers, because again, you go to school, you pay for this, you're in it. And then you're like, I'm not really going, but I make decent money. But if I really was doing what I would want to do, then I would be doing this. And instead of finding ways to invite that into your life in other ways, or to really maybe you shift your focus on that because what you're doing if you're not doing that is watching your life go by. Well, and that's where I feel like the comparisons come back in because why are you staying where you are? Yeah. Because if you think to yourself again, the expectations that we have in general for society, what Mm -hmm. we do is 
we follow this trajectory, A, B, C, D. So if I'm at A, B and I don't want to do C, D, but now everyone else is doing that, I'm comparing myself to other people. Why does it matter? Why does mm-hmm. it matter that if Christy and I are both in high school together and we're good friends and she decides to go to college and I decide not to, why is there anything wrong with that? There isn't. And this idea that people have that there isn't room for them in a certain area, oh. you know, like, well, I really enjoy teaching yoga or I really enjoy doing this, but there's already a lot of people out there doing that. So I don't know if there's like room or space oh. for me. So again, like you're watching and you're comparing yourself with the way other people do things. This actually came up for me when I started teaching yoga because I've had so many amazing teachers that when I first went to teach my first class, I was like, I'm not this person and I'm not this person and then when I said that out loud to a very good friend of mine who is a very good yoga teacher and she said but you're you and so when people show up and they want what you have to offer they're not looking for what that other person had and I was like oh my gosh yes and another thing that popped up for me was like that my students are coming in expecting an experience. Whether or not they have that experience isn't dependent on me. Again, there's my codependent mindset going like, I need to provide what 18 people in this class need and they're all different needs. Guess what? Mm. They have a responsibility in what they're bringing to the table and their mindset and what they're taking from me. Because we could take different things from different people. For sure. So I like to think of it in life, well, I don't want to talk about football right now, but um, <laughs> I'm going to just use it as a reference. Franchise players, like you're paying somebody millions upon millions of dollars. Are they sitting on the bench watching everybody else play the game because they're comparing that somebody made this catch and they didn't? Like, no, they want to be in the game. They want to yeah. be playing. They want to, They know their worth. So if everybody in life started seeing themselves as hey, I'm given this life, which is worth way more than millions upon millions of dollars, and I'm not living it the way I want to, you're doing yourself a disservice. Well, here's the thing. We all struggle with this, right? So as Christy just said, I'm going to share something too so that you don't feel so left out. But like, (laughs) we all struggle with knowing our worth in different ways. And this actually just happened yesterday (laughs) that I, and Christy knows this, I get up in my head about how I look physically and I have a really hard time with how my body has changed just throughout my entire life. Just with everything, with weight loss, weight gain, but also with having children and how that has changed my body and just how it looks. The fact that I started doing strength training Mm -hmm. and putting on weight in terms of muscle, but what that does for me mentally when I see myself in the mirror and everything. So I was getting dressed to go um, exercise last night and I decided to put on this pants and shirt that were very form fitting Uh and I'm standing there in front of the mirror and I'm looking at myself and I'm just thinking you have put on so much weight like you just look so big this is not good and my husband comes in the room and he was like oh I'm gonna go do something whatever and I was like I'm getting ready to leave and he kind of like saw the look on my face and I was like I'm just not feeling this outfit right now like I just feel like it's very it's not good. Mm-hmm. And he looked at me and he was like, I don't know what you're talking about. You look extremely healthy. And it like took me aback because mm-hmm. like, we all struggle with seeing our worth at times. Mm-hmm. Even if we've we've gotten there and we get it and we know it, you're always going to trip up because these things are always there. We're always fighting with the comparisons, with the messed up thoughts that we have in our head, with the self-worth, with the self-sabotaging. I was sabotaging myself because in my head, I was looking at myself and seeing former versions of myself looking different. And, And I was comparing myself to my past self. So I was doing all the things that we are saying now not to do. I was going to say, and all up in our heads. All up in my head. And he comes in and I said to him, I said, that is one of the most helpful things that I've ever heard. I said, you didn't say I look good. Mm -hmm. I look strong. I look set. It was nothing about my appearance in general. Mm -hmm. It had nothing to do with my weight. He said to me, you look healthy. I was like, you have no idea what that did for me. And like, so maybe that again is your... I deserve to be healthy. Absolutely. Not I deserve to lose weight. I deserve to be this size. Oh, man. And with anxiety and the way, like, people weighing themselves multiple times a day. and it's so hard. We're going to get into that. We have too much stuff to talk Mm -hmm. about in terms of our relationship with ourselves. These are all things, yes, that, like, the societal pressures, what are those comparisons in terms of not only what should I do for a living or should I go to school, but also... 
how much do I weigh and how do I look and mm-hmm. what is the ideal beauty and like that it's unrealistic that we cannot manage to get there and maintain that look. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that really connected with me in terms of acceptance and as opposed to expectation is that I can't expect to have my body look a certain way if that's not how my body is intended to look. Mm-hmm. So we all have different well, you don't body try to shapes wear different and body types. Size shoe. That's usually what I say <laughs> is that like you have a size shoe and that's your size shoe. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you're like, I re- you can try and wear a bigger size and wear thick socks and stuff it through, but it's not natural. Mm-hmm. You can try to shove your big ass foot into a tiny little shoe <laughs> size and it's uncomfortable and it hurts yeah. and it takes a lot of work. It is unrealistic. Yeah. And so accepting what it is that you are. And using moderation and things that are healthy for you, that doesn't mean you're just like, oh, it's not worth. Screw it. Throw your hands right, up in the it's air. It's not worth right. finding an exercise routine that I like, finding foods that I like, you know, that I just give everything up because I'm not going to look a certain way. No. Back to creating balance, right? Mm-hmm. Your path is different than anyone else and you have to go at your own pace and you have to do the things that are right for you. We all need to determine what expectations we have set for ourselves and really start to evaluate those and whether or not they are serving us. They probably aren't Mm -hmm. because usually they don't. And that's something that you can do if that's an exercise that you feel is worthwhile is to sit down and think to yourself, what are all the expectations that I have for myself in all different areas? What are the expectations you have of your body, of your behaviors, of work, relationships, et cetera, all parts of your life? Write them down and ask yourself, kind of like what Christy said, if you have kids, or if you have a best friend or a mm-hmm. family member that you love dearly, someone that is very close to you, and ask yourself, would you place these expectations on any one of those people? Would you expect them to live up to these expectations like you expect yourself to? Mm-hmm. And if the answer is no, it might be time to reevaluate and give yourself a break from those expectations. Yeah. And another thing that we had touched on was those fears. So if you look at your list lists of expectations mm. or the things that you want to be having in your life, what fears are getting in the way of you achieving Achieving. that yeah a lot of times it's rejection a lot of times it's abandonment failure again that comes back to failure Mm -hmm. we're scared of failing not being good enough and so just take a moment like and it doesn't have to be a big deal it's just noticing if we take a moment to just stop and notice things we're already building that neuropathway in a different part of your brain to say, I can be more mindful, I can look at the situation that I'm in, not try to distract myself. Again, look at the things that might distract you, the things that you might be using as a coping skill rather than something that you enjoy. For example, like people that I work with will say, ugh, I drank half a bottle or a bottle of wine and you know, I don't understand why. And it's like, okay, wait a minute. Did you have some wine with dinner or with your partner or with your friend because you wanted to relax and enjoy yourself? Or did you come home and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't even, I'm so stressed out, like I'm just going to mindlessly drink this. And there are times and places for all of this. Or, you know, what can I do in addition to these things? And not beating yourself up about saying like, hey, this is something that I did that wasn't healthy for me. So tomorrow I'm going to look at what I can do differently or not. Like, again, taking those expectations about what's your moderation versus somebody else's moderation. Well, and again, always coming at it from a place of understanding and a place of love. Yeah. We have shit on ourselves enough. We don't need to continue doing that. And a lot of times what we do is we come at things from a a viewpoint of right or wrong or fair or not fair. And so remember, even uneven, right? Uneven, even, but even that it's a place of blame and judgment. Mm -hmm. And when we're trying to really um, cultivate a better relationship with ourselves, come at it from a place of understanding. Mm -hmm. I just want to understand these things about myself. I want to understand what my expectations are. Mm -hmm. What are my, um, not flaws, but things that get in the way. Like how am I self-sabotaging myself? How How am I judging myself? And what, which, well, I don't know, one of the gyms have a judgment-free zone. Oh, So right. if you're expected to go into this zone and not judge other people, why are you judging yourself? Absolutely. I'm not lifting this hard enough. I'm not doing this right. I take rowing classes, and there are a wide variety of ages and shapes and sizes of people. And I know that when I go into those classes, and I want to say this because like, I see people that are probably just starting their journey, yeah. and 
you can see it on their face that they're kind of awkward coming in and they're unsure of things. And I always, if I look at that person during the workout or whatever, I'm just so proud of them. You know what I mean? Like I, and I know like we talk about this with people all the time. So maybe like we look at things differently, but the people in the gym are not judging you. Like they're not sitting there. No, you're just judging yourself. You really are because you know, a lot of the clients I work with are like, once I lose this much weight, then I can go to the gym. Mm. Once I do this, then I can but do this. But those are the expectations and the conditional love. Absolutely. And that just keeps us stuck. Yeah. It really does. So think about yourself like... Judgment free. Well, and what is the truth behind that fear? Yeah. Why are you scared of going to the gym now? Like, what is that? What is that fear that's holding you back? And like you said, a lot of times it comes down to those really familiar ones of failure or judgment or abandonment or being excluded and things yeah. like that. Yeah. Thanks for joining us this time. We're going to be continuing our conversation about our relationships with ourselves and our bodies. We'll be talking about intuitive eating, what that is, diet culture, body shaming, because as we further explore our relationship with ourselves, I think it's important to really hone in on our bodies because it's where we reside. It's our own little home. It's our temple. It's our cocoon, whatever you want to call it. We look forward to sharing those things with you next time. Thank you for listening to Conversations to Connect with Christy and Gretchen. If you like our show, want more information, and want to connect with us, go to our website at www.conversationstoconnect.com and follow us on Instagram. We hope this episode has given you some useful tips to create meaningful conversations in your life. If you feel like you would benefit from talking with a therapist, one resource is www.psychologytoday.com, or you can contact your insurance company. See you next time.